This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It, it sucks uh, when somebody comes over onto your property and you've been trying to manage it or really watch the wind and not bump deer off your property and somebody shoots a deer and it comes over to your property and disturbs it. But if you put yourself in their shoes... Yeah. You know, exactly. you're going to hope that, uh, you know, they'd let you go get it. Oh, you got her, dude. She's down. Let's go. Dude, I just shot a deer of a lifetime. Freaking smoked him. One with nature, and if you're a believer, one with God. Definitely gets your heart pumping. Boy. You are in trouble. Oh, Session Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another Fall Obsession Podcast episode. I am Sam, your host for this week's episode. Our podcast is driven by Ridge Rock Hunt Company, and I will talk more about them at the end, as I always do. This week, we are breaking our normal podcast mold and doing something a little bit different. Um, if you guys follow Fall Obsession, I'm sure that you have seen our staff-inspired series called Couch Chats. Here recently, one of our staff members, Michael Teepee, he recorded a Couch Chat episode with his hunting friend, Chad, um, over ethics, hunting property lines, and just general hunter etiquette they talked about uh, just like some deer shaming and some other some other things that just aren't popular topics that are talked about um, in today's hunting world and it turned out to be a really really good episode we are going to publish it as the couch chat episode but we also decided to use it this week as our podcast so i'm going to turn it over to his conversation with chad i hope you guys enjoy hope you take something away from this episode i certainly did and i'll be back with you guys at the very end all right, guys, it's Mike Teepee here, field staffer from Southern Michigan. Got a good buddy of mine, Chad Marner, here with me today. And uh, we just wanted to bring up a subject on hunter ethics. It's uh, 
subject that's hit home real hard here lately with our family and uh, something that you don't hear a lot about on the YouTube or in the internet or the social media platforms. Uh, if anything, it's the opposite, a little bit too much of the negative out there and the narrative. And so we just wanted to bring you guys a couch chat today talking about some of our previous experiences, good and bad. And uh, just want to start off by introducing, like I said, my bud Chad Marner here. Hi. Thanks for coming and and, uh, and doing this with me today, Chad. I appreciate that. Yeah, thanks for the invite. Well, and you were the person I thought this would be best, you know, for you and I to do this together. Got a lot of years of hunting together, and you have a lot of uh, knowledge when it comes to hunting also. And so, mm. yeah, we'd like to start off with a recent story um, slash situation that we ran into. Um, Chad and I actually live on the same block here in southern Michigan. And uh, opening weekend of archery season here in Michigan starts on October 1st. And that weekend, my wife shot uh, her best buck with any weapon, uh, it happened to be with her bow and she shot it there on our home property on the food plot. And the, uh, deer ended up making it onto a neighboring property. Um, the neighbor had actually told me a few years before, if you ever shoot a deer, it runs over on me. Give me a call. We'll go out and get it. Uh, last year, the wife shot a doe, ran over there on him. Uh, gave him a call. He was gracious, went right out there. Now, mind you, we only have eight and a half acres, so we don't have a lot of land here in southern Michigan. These deer can get on and off of the property pretty quick. That's just all we could afford to buy at the time. And, uh, I mean, we're happy with it, but it is what it is. And so uh, the scenario came about where second night of season, this buck's been showing up daylight day after day after day on this food plot. I told the wife, I said, you better get back there now while you can. It was a nice eight-pointer with a sticker off his G2. Um, so she got out there. Sure enough, Buck showed up. She made the shot. He got over to the neighbor's property line. Once we realized that he went on the property line, we backed out. It was after 10 p.m. Send him a text message asking him if we could politely come in in the morning. Uh, I had actually even reached out to a buddy of mine with tracking dogs just to try and speed up the process and help us uh, retrieve the deer. And um, I woke up the next morning to basically, no, let's put it that way. No, we were not allowed to uh, gain access on the property. I did tell him that it was a decent buck. I can only speculate on why he was okay with us getting the doe the year before and not okay with this situation. Uh, this gentleman and I, we we communicate every month, it seems like throughout the year. And uh, yeah, so he told us no. And obviously we were devastated and uh, was not the result that we were looking for. And it kind of got Chad and I talking here recently about hunter ethics, um, being sportsmen, and respecting each other's property lines and uh also just you know what can we do to try and uh you know not have this be an issue where you can't go and retrieve your deer because it just makes my wife and i sick the thought of the deer going to waste it doesn't matter if it was a, a doe or a buck 
just the thought of not harvesting the deer makes you sick. And uh, what do you think that, what do you think are some solutions, Chad, that we can, is it just getting the DNR involved and having them knock on the door? Well, yes. Uh, better than trying to handle it ourselves because mm -hmm. that can cause problems. But, uh, you know, there's been scenarios that I've had in my life before where even getting the DNR involved, they don't, they just don't. The landowner says absolutely not. Mm -hmm. um, I did, we found out just recently in this, through this whole excursion that in the state of Michigan, if a landowner doesn't allow you to retrieve a deer, they're not allowed to touch that deer. Uh, it's considered poaching if they do. Mm -hmm. uh, that is something that I didn't know. Yeah. Just I just learned that through this whole thing that happened. But um, yeah, just doing your best to get permission and sometimes it just won't happen. Yeah. And it kind of stinks, but it's just the way it is. But we wanted to talk about as hunters, because a gentleman that didn't allow permission also hunts. Yes, yes, he does. And we wanted to talk about respecting each other, you know, respect as hunters, treating each other the same, you know, because um, I know if this gentleman would shoot a deer and it went off of his property onto somebody else's, he would hope that they would let him mm -hmm. go retrieve that animal, Yeah, you know, and just being fair to one another. It, it sucks uh, when somebody comes over onto your property and you've been trying to manage it or really watch the wind and not bump deer off your property and somebody shoots a deer and it comes over to your property and disturbs it. But if you put yourself in their shoes, yeah, you know, exactly. you're going to hope that, uh, you know, they'd let you go get it. And mm -hmm. so, uh, you know, that was something we wanted to talk about as hunters. We need to do that for each other. Exactly. And, and be there, you know, for one another in those aspects. And even if it is, uh, escorting said hunter onto your land, helping them find the blood, you know, and just making sure everything is legit, making sure this isn't somebody making up a story. I shot a deer over here, it went on you, and now they're going to go back and try and ruin your land or take, you know, if it's gun season, take a gun back up through your bedding and maybe shoot a deer that way. You just never really know. So if you have the time and the availability, by all means, go out there with your neighbor and find where the deer crossed onto your land, find the blood trail, help them look for the deer and try and speed up the process. Maybe you know your land good enough, you know where the deer like to go and die. If you do lose blood, then you can go to those areas and potentially make it a quicker recovery. And just, I mean, the, the thought of letting the deer go to waste, it, that's enough to make you sick to your stomach. Yeah. Yeah, and, it is. and to think about it, like you said, put yourself in that other person's shoe, guy, gal, kid, it doesn't really matter. They shot the deer on their, on their property legally. Now let them retrieve their deer. So then that way that deer doesn't go to waste. They use their tag up here in the state of Michigan. You're allowed two buck tags. So now legally by law, my wife doesn't have to put a tag on that buck because we weren't able to recover it. So now she can continue to hunt. So I'm not going to tell her if two nice bucks go walking by not to shoot one. So as a, as a landowner, if my neighbor was in that scenario, I'd rather them just come get their buck and, and use one of their two tags than to now potentially shoot two more bucks. Now that one hunter could potentially shoot three bucks yeah. all because I was not being a good sportsman and letting them come over and retrieve their game. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like as a sportsman and a sportswoman, part of being 
you know, part of the whole outdoors and just being a hunter in general and a provider for your family is, is the morals that are behind it. And you need to do everything in your power to recover any game that you shoot. Yeah. And I'm, it's like you said, you got to put yourself in other people's shoes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's frustrating because I've been there. I have a lease uh, in Indiana and a few years ago we had a guy shoot a deer that went over onto our property. We weren't there. But the uh, uh, farmer had called me and wanted to know if the guy could have permission to go back and look for his deer. Well, we knew he had a really good buck on the property at the time, and he'd shot a doe. Um, but how could you not let him go? You know, it's yeah, it's frustrating <clears throat> because he could mess it up for you. But I believe that good things come to those when you give good out. Mm -hmm. And if you allow that person to go get that, retrieve that animal, well, chances are there's a good chance you'll get to, a shot at that deer or that big buck, or maybe something even better, you know, uh, normally when you treat people right, things, better things happen to you. Mm -hmm. But when you treat people wrong, you get treated the same way. Yep. That's karma there. And that can come back both ways. You know, when you want to be the jerk, expect bad karma. When you want to be the nice guy and do the right thing, expect good karma coming back. Yeah. And it just, I feel like one thing I did do after this whole thing, after all this happened, um, I kept, uh, thinking to myself over the next couple of days after this had happened, are my other neighbors like this neighbor? Um, I haven't had too many interactions. We're new to the neighborhood like Chad is, and we haven't had too many interactions with the neighbors that aren't literally right beside ours. And so I took it upon myself to drive around the block, knock on some doors, was able to communicate with one of the neighbors that has a border of mine and uh, was actually able to get good news. And uh, the gentleman gave me his phone number. I gave him mine and he told me more than welcome to come get a deer if you guys shoot one. And I told him the same. He's got guys at least his ground. I said, they come over here. Just let me know. They can go ahead and go get it. And that was uh, uplifting, encouraging to, and uh, just to realize that not all the neighbors we're going to be that way. And that neighbor actually gave me confirmation that he's had problems with that same neighbor that gave me problems when it came to retrieving my wife's deer. So, um, yeah, I think that's one thing you can do is go before season, preferably, and ask your neighbors that you don't already have a relationship with whether or not they would be okay with that happening, just so that way you kind of have a heads up uh, going into the season. It uh, doesn't necessarily mean it's going to change anything, right? you know, because, I mean, we all try and put the best shot we can on the game that we hunt, but things happen. Yeah. We've all been there. And even when you've put great shots on them, they can go farther than you can ever imagine. Yeah. They are very tough animals. Yeah. I just had that happen this year. Yeah. Shot a doe and thought it was a perfect heart shot and tracked her for hundreds of hundreds of yards, let her go for hours and still couldn't find her. And she even bed down, didn't and she? And she bedded down several times. And I still don't know what happened because I I seen her standing with the arrow right where it was supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Perfectly broadside shot. Have no idea what happened or how it, what happened happened. Mm -hmm. um, but she ended up getting away and it just makes me sick. Yeah. But, you know, I, I even took uh, my dog tracks a little bit. He's not the greatest, but he does track a little bit. Took him and did some tracking with him. Uh, if found went, went a lot further than I would have went if I wouldn't have had him because he found blood and took us a lot further 
away. Oh, that was our lights. Um, but still ended up losing her. And mm -hmm. it just happens. I don't care how good a shot you make sometimes. Things happen. Well, and it don't matter how many years. <laughs> we just... It don't... Yeah. Well, we just lost a little power here. <laughs> We've been experiencing some storms here in southern Michigan. So uh, we'll get... We'll keep it going, yeah. but uh, if the lighting keeps going in and out, we apologize. Mother Nature is in control. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, sure. you can still see us here good enough. But uh, it don't matter how long you hunt; you're going to shoot a deer and not find one. Yeah, it's going to happen. And it doesn't. It's not what we strive for. We practice all off season through the winter, shoot winter leagues, etc., just to make sure that we're doing our due diligence to try not to have that happen. Yeah. And it happens. Yeah. It does. It does happen sometimes. Yeah. Um, another topic, I feel like we've uh, kind of discussed that first topic pretty well there on, you know, what you can do with your neighbors to try and um, encourage recovery of deer, you know, and then also you lend a helping hand when they need it to, you know, uh, do onto others as you want done onto you. And yeah. um, another thing that we have had issues with in the past and some somewhat currently um when it comes to you know being an ethical hunter is property line hunting uh i guarantee you that majority of you have had problems with property line hunters if you've hunted long enough especially here in the midwest where you have a lot of chopped up properties a lot of properties people are hunting anywhere from five acres to 200 acres but i would say the average is probably 20 to 40. And so you get a lot of a uh, lot of different hunters and um, a lot of ag fields where there's only tree rows left along the outside. The rest has all been turned into crops. And so over the years, unfortunately, we've had our fair share of guys that like to sit on the tree, tree row or the property line. And they're not necessarily doing anything wrong by having a stand on the property line because we've also set stands on property lines and, and currently have stands on property lines. But we also feel like there's a good way and a bad way to go about that, don't we? Yeah, we do. I, I mean, it's just, I have uh, I have five acres here. We just bought this place in November. Uh, my house is basically in the center of my property. I have neighbors behind me and beside me. And it's all wooded. And it's so all, yeah, and it's all wooded. But I have deer come through here all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I, uh, the previous uh, or owner of the house hunted also, but he didn't respect his neighbor's property lines. Uh, constantly was hunting over on their sides, putting tree stands facing into their properties. And after he left, they expressed to me adamantly how frustrated that how frustrating that was for them. They mm -hmm. it aggravated them a lot. Mm -hmm. um, so like this year, I put a couple tree stands up on my property. I have one that's close to the property line, but it's facing in towards my property mm -hmm. uh, so that it, I'm not shooting their way. And then I have another one that it's in the center of my property. Uh, and your neighbors respect that and because of that. But I've learned over the years because I have. When I was younger, I hunted property lines, you know, and I don't care who you are. Uh, it's really easy if you don't. If you're not careful, you get tempted because you have a good deer come by you and it's right on the other side of the property line. You want to shoot that deer. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you're a lot better off if you're going to hunt the property lines. Make sure your stand is turned where you can't even shoot that way so you're not tempted into that situation. Yep. Uh, because it is a temptation. Mm -hmm. And if we're all honest with each other, we know that. 
Yeah. Um, but doing the right thing again is what matters here. And as hunters, we don't want to create a bad persona or treat each other bad or, or anything like that, because, uh, we're the ones that we love this sport. We want to keep it going. So we need to do the best to be the best we can with it and treat each other the right way, our neighbors the right way. And when it comes to hunting on property lines, make sure we do it right. Yeah. Um, you know, some guys are still going to get aggravated at you if you're on their property line, even if you've got your stand facing that way. And if it causes, starts to cause a lot of problems, I personally, I'll pull that stand and move it back off the property line further yeah. just because I don't want to cause problems with my neighbors or fellow hunters. Yeah. Um, other people don't, it doesn't seem to bother. Like Mike has a property that he can hunt on the property line or his stands on the property line, but he has permission to shoot over onto their property. Uh, but he just can't have a stand on their property and that's okay. They don't mind that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it just depends on the situation and stuff where, mm -hmm. um, the biggest problem that I've seen, I've been hunting since I was 11 and I just turned 55. And the thing that I've seen over my years of hunting is that there's so many guys that just don't want to be fair about it. They want to hunt the property lines and shoot over a hundred yards into their neighbor's property. They don't care. They disrespect their neighbors mm -hmm. and it causes all kinds of problems. And then, then who's the ones that end up paying for that? We do as hunters yeah. because the landowners get mad about uh, hunters fighting or bickering yeah. with each other. And they say, okay, I'm done. I'm not going to hunt anymore or nobody's hunting anymore yep, Nobody's hunting anymore. or, you know, stuff like that. And uh, when we act that way, we end up hurting ourselves. That's all mm -hmm. we do. So I, in my opinion, we need to treat each other with respect, yep. you know, and do the best we can to not, uh, hunt a, a fellow uh, person's property yeah. unless we have permission to do do so. Well, and it's like we were talking about earlier. I mean, like you said, we've both done it before, especially when we were younger. You know, you sit on a property line and, uh, you know, the uh, temptations are real, especially if it's a deer that you really want to try and harvest. And I think the older and the more mature you get um, and the more experience you get, the more you realize that would I like that being done to me? Yeah. If this is my property, I hunt, I lease, I own, it's just a permission property. It doesn't really matter. This is the property that I, myself, my family, whatever has permission to hunt. Would I appreciate it if Chad was on the property line shooting deer onto my property line without permission? Yeah. No, I wouldn't. I'd get ticked. So how can I do that to Chad and expect him not to get mad? Yeah. And so <clears throat> I understand it's not going to resonate with everybody and some people just don't care and that's fine. But if you're on the fence about it, literally, and you aren't sure if you, um, how you feel about it, always just put yourself in that other person's situation there in their feet and just say, Hey, how would I like it if this guy was shooting deer over here on my place? And I'm just guessing that 99% of you aren't going to like it. And so just don't do it. Just, yeah. you know, I, I do have stands on property lines because of the way that the properties lay. Um, I have a 15 acre property in Indiana that I hunt where I am on a tree road. That's, there's not any big enough trees. It's just a grown up CRP. Uh, used to be ag that they've turned to CRP. There's not any big enough trees except for on the tree road because of that. But I have my property, my tree stand is facing into the property that I have permission I have no lanes available to me to shoot behind me. I've had plenty of deer behind me over the years that were within range and I could have not shot any of them if I wanted to. It was so thick yeah. because I didn't trim anything. 
because I didn't want that temptation. I don't have permission to shoot on that side of the line. And so, you know, I think as hunters, we need to be a lot more respectful of each other, of each other's properties that they get to hunt, whether they own it or not. It doesn't matter. You don't have permission to hunt it, so don't act like you do. And we're making a bad name for all of us yeah. by just Absolutely. stirring the pot up. And I've had, I've had them old time farmers before tell me, you know, I go to them and say, Hey, you know, the neighbor over here, I'm having problems with them because of this or that. And then the neighbor goes to him and says, Hey, I'm having problems with, with Mike because of this and that, because he's getting mad at me. And I've had to hunt the, I've had the, the landowner, the farmer just throw his hands up in here. Well, we're not gonna have anybody hunt that. Yeah. Yep. And now who's gaining from that? I'm not gaining. The neighbor's not gaining. Yep. We're all losing. We're going to lose good ground because of it. Yep. You know, you need to just work together, treat each other as you want to get treated. And if that means you don't talk to each other and you back your stands up even further off the property lines and just don't even look at each other, ignore each other, that's fine. Whatever it takes to make it work. Yeah. You know, because then you're both just going to lose out. Yeah. I want to give a little bit of an example of there's a, in my, Indiana property that I have, uh, there's a gentleman that hunts down there and, uh, he <clears throat> is disrespectful of all the landowners around there, uh, trespasses their properties, has multiple times because his family lives closer right around there. He's made the comments, well, he should just have the right to hunt them. Uh, when there's others around, uh, uh like I lease that property and there's pe other people that lease properties around there, but in his mind, he should be able to hunt it anyway. Well, he was hunting a piece of property that he had permission to hunt, but this property butted up against a property that the man allowed no hunting whatsoever, hasn't for years. Uh, this guy so much wanted to kill a big buck on that property because he was seeing him over there that he put a tree stand up on a tree that literally was half on the guy's property and half off. Uh, I think the fence literally grew through the tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tree, but he put the tree stand up facing towards his neighbor's property that didn't allow any hunting. Uh, the neighbor had asked him a couple times to take the tree stand down. He didn't. Uh, the neighbor got frustrated because technically that is on his property because it's mm -hmm. in the fence row. Neighbor went and cut the tree, tree down with his tree stand in the tree yeah. and went to the landowner that gave him permission to hunt and complained to him for about the fourth time about this guy doing this, well, that was the end of it. The land that landowner had enough and said, told this guy, no longer can you hunt my property. So that's just an example of how when you do those things, you end up losing a great property because I mean this property butted up against a property that allowed no hunting. You know, what better scenario could you have mm -hmm. to be right next to a property that allows no hunting, but because he wanted to push the border and not respect his neighbors that's what he, he ended up losing the property altogether. And that's just something to think about, you know, when you're tempted in, in a s situation like that. Well, not only that, but you, like you said, perfect situation. Just be patient. Yeah. Just be patient. Eventually one of them big guys is going to slip up. They're going to make a route through your land where you have uh, permission to hunt. And, you know, I would venture to say that there's a pretty good chance that that landowner that kicked him off, may or may not want to give permission to another fellow hunterman now because of what happened. Yeah. He had these problems with his neighbor. He's got his neighbor telling him four times before he finally kicks this guy off that, Hey, I'm tired of it. This guy keeps hunting on me. He's got permission for you. 
Now this this landowner, you know, may tell everybody else, sorry, I've had a bad experience. Yeah. And exactly. once again, you're ruining it for everybody. You're not just ruining it for you. You're ruining it for the next guy. You're ruining it for the future generations. And I feel like us hunters, uh, I don't know if there's just too many hunters that are too prideful, too stubborn, um, too arrogant, too ignorant, the all of the above, but you're not helping anybody by doing things the wrong way, guys. Yeah. And it just uh, we gotta we gotta be we gotta come together and be united in this together so that way we're not losing more and more ground. We're losing more and more ground for development, housing, um, just commercial construction, you name it. We're losing ground every day. Yeah. Every day we're losing ground. Now, why do we want to lose perfect ground that has no reason not to be hunted outside of the fact that the landowner has had bad problems with previous hunters? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so that's just a little tangent there that we wanted to go off in here when it comes to, um, you know, property lines, being respectful of each other there and um, just, you know, there's ways to go about things the right way and there's ways to think to go about the bad way. And everybody's got different property different property layouts and different neighbors. So we're not saying that it's just a one size fits all for every property, but just do your homework, really sit back and think about it. How would I like it if my neighbor did this to me uh, type of scenario? And I think you're, you'll be surprised at what kind of uh, outcome you come out with there. If you just kind of step back and look at it from the other hunter's yeah, point of view. Yeah, it definitely. It's something else I encourage you with. If you're not sure of the property lines, you know, there's Onyx out there. There's mm -hmm. different There's different apps to show you the property lines and the landowners and who they own them mm -hmm. uh, to help you find those property lines and make sure you're not pushing the pushing it. Yeah. Uh, it Yeah, it may cost you a little bit to have those, but in the long run, it saves you a lot. And a lot uh, of headaches, too. Yes, A lot of headaches, absolutely. not to mention the heartaches. And, yeah, it may cost you 10, 20 bucks a year to have one of these apps. But a lot of us already have these apps anyways. Yeah. So just use them for, you know, put them to good use. You're already spending the money. I mean, you can literally find yourself on the property, show you the property line. Yeah, the property line may not be 1,000% accurate, but you're going to be close enough. Maybe then you can locate the fence. Yes. Because yeah. you, it's been trampled over by 50 trees that fell over it, but now you know where it's at. It gets you close. It gets you close. Uh, it helps a lot, you know, and then... And at that point, if you're still not sure and you want to make sure you are, you know, uh, that's when you, you go to the landowner and say, hey, I have this. This is where it shows. It's, is this accurate? Is this right? You know mm -hmm. what it shows on your app uh, to just double check yourself and make sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think really just a little bit of time goes a long ways. Just a little bit of time on our end spent and go a long ways into being successful. Yeah. And uh, that's not just necessarily shooting deer. Uh, but just being successful amongst each other because we're all in this together. And that, that leads us to our next topic that we've got, which is division amongst hunters. Um, I've been guilty of it uh, in more than one facet. I uh, used to uh, be one of them guys that would antler shame guys or gals. No, I shouldn't say gals. Most of the time I was pretty lenient on them. But, uh, you know, guys that I felt that had hunted for a lot of years I never understood why they would um, continually harvest younger, uh, smaller bucks year after year after year. Um, I always understood why new hunters did. I always understood why people um, 
that were new to it, whether they were young hunters or old hunters, but if they were new, I always understood. I always said, hey, shoot the first year that walks out and gives you a shot. Yeah. And uh, I'm guilty of that years ago. I, I haven't done that for several years now. Um, I came to the realization that it's not my place to say anything. And they bought their tag. They, they harvested their deer. Uh, you know, whether they were the landowner, they leased the land, it doesn't matter. You know, they went out on their own and they did it their way. And if that's a trophy to them, or if they're just strictly a meat hunter, guys, we got to, we got to ease up on these people that aren't shooting the type of deer that maybe we want to shoot. And they're shooting something that we think, well, I wouldn't shoot that. Yeah. Well, who cares if you wouldn't shoot that? It's not your tag. You didn't put your tag on it. Yeah. So just shut up congratulate them, pat them on the back, tell them good job, happy for you and, and move on. I mean, if, if, and then you hunt for what you want to hunt for and don't worry about what your neighbor's doing. Oh, my neighbor shot two four pointers this year. I hear it all the time. And yeah, does it, does it kind of suck when you think about it? If you are trying to raise bigger deer in the area? Yeah. But at the end of the day, why get all upset about it when you can't control it? Yeah. And if they're not breaking the law, who cares now if they're poaching deer that's different yeah that's yeah. that's way different yeah if your neighbor's poaching deer and you know it you need to call your local dnr officer and get it nipped in the butt immediately because that'll help you and your fellow neighbors in the neighborhood that are doing it the right way yeah i want to share a little a little bit about mike and i's relationship um when mike and i met a long time ago through a archery shop kind of and i had a him and i had a mutual friend um we knew each other off and on a little bit. And then we, as time went on, we got to know each other better and started, we actually leased together for a while and started hunting together. Well, at that point, he was still kind of early on that in that stage where he would be judgmental for guys and what they shot and mm -hmm. stuff. And him and I had some long conversations about it, you know, and I, I want to, in Mike's defense, I want to share something because it's I want you guys to understand why people can get to that point where for these guys that don't uh, shoot big bucks or whatever and get aggravated at guys who shame them. I want to kind of talk a little bit about this. Mike was very fortunate in some of the properties he got to hunt. Mm -hmm. He got very good properties that had really good deer on them. Mm -hmm. uh, so he kind of not realizing it, he got kind of spoiled. Uh, cause he saw a lot better quality deer, a lot bigger deer. So in his mind, he didn't understand why guys would shoot small deer. Mm -hmm. Uh, where for me, on the other hand, you know, I've been hunting since I was 11, but I've had properties where, uh, I can remember literally hunting an entire season and seeing one buck the whole year, you know? And if so, if I got a chance to kill a buck, I killed a buck because I never, I didn't know if I'd ever see another one that whole season, mm -hmm. you know? And so we had this this discussion multiple times that you have to be careful because you don't know what your fellow hunter's situation is. Mm -hmm. You don't know what kind of property he has. You don't know uh, what quality of deer he has or the location he's at. And it's real easy to get caught up in, uh, you know, judging people by what they shoot, but we don't know the scenario behind why they do it. I mean, for a long time, even after I got better properties to hunt, I still really struggled with shooting smaller deer because for so long in my deer hunting life, I hardly ever saw bucks. So when I did, I shot them. 
Mm -hmm. And it took me a while. And I still, to this day, struggle a little bit. I can see a two and a half year old, real nice eight point. And I'm like, oh, do I want to shoot him? Do I? I'm like, no, no, you don't want to shoot him. I, you know, I want to, I have better property than that. I want to let him go because I know there's better out there. And as time has went on, I broke myself of that for me personally. This is just me personally, what I want. But it's so easy to get judging people for, because we don't know their scenario. And I, I wanted to defend Mike, you know, in that because I understood where he came from and why he felt the way he did. But I also wanted him to understand where so many guys, because there's a lot more guys that come from the other spectrum of yeah. that than guys that come from the spectrum Mike did, where they can hunt an entire season and maybe see one buck or two bucks. And, you know, if they get a chance to kill it, they're going to kill it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now I will say I, I was a meat cutter for many years and I had a deer processing business that I ran for several years. And here in the state of Michigan, I watched a lot of guys come in with small bucks after small bucks, after small bucks, year after year, after year. And every time they would complain to me while well, I'll ever see a small bucks mm -hmm. and I not judging them, but I would tell them, well, if you want to see small bucks, you have to let the big bucks go. Or if you want to see big bucks, you have to let the little bucks go. Yeah. I, you, it's just the way it is. You know, you, if you want big bucks, you have to let the little ones go. Um, but some guys never, they didn't, they didn't care. And it, uh, that was their choice. Uh, you know, but the ones that care, you have to remember, if you want big ones, don't shoot the little ones. Yeah. Well, and I think I was naive. Like Chad said early on, um, I was very, very spoiled with some uh, exceptional ground. And I mean, I started off like, I would say 90 plus percent of your hunters, even here in the Midwest, where I was harvesting, you know, younger bucks. Uh, you know, if it came by and it had a an antler boy i was shooting it and i was tickled pink with it and uh some of those are uh some of my most fondest memories of hunting is some of those first bucks i ever shot with my bow gun it doesn't really matter um and then as i you know was fortunate to pick up more ground and to uh, hunt more and to start seeing bigger deer uh even when i wasn't able to get opportunities on them that's when my eyes were open to like hey i have a possibility here of being able to put down some pretty good sized deer based on how much time I have to hunt because it, you know most of that was when I was younger single no wife no kids and based on the ground that I had to hunt uh, I came to the realization that I had an opportunity to be able to put down some really nice deer and at the time uh, I figured a lot of guys had them opportunities that I had and it wasn't until I started to lose those properties that my eyes were opened up that, hey, uh, those properties were exceptional and they were above average. And were they the best around? I, I don't think I would say that, but were they better than average? Yes. Yes, they were. And, uh, you know, I've worked hard over the years to uh, to be able to try and gain access to other good ground that would uh, meet the requirements that I have of myself um, for the type of bucks that I like to harvest. And so, you know, uh, last year, for instance, was the first year since uh, 2012, I think. I didn't something harvest like a buck. Yeah, something like that. So 2011, 2012 was the last time I hadn't uh, harvested a buck. And Oh, that was a big, big hard swallow of a pill there and all those uh, tag soups that I had there because I hunt Indiana and Michigan. 
and I just didn't see the deer that I wanted to shoot. Yeah. And at the end of the day, um, I knew I wasn't going to be happy with shooting those bucks. So I, I let them go. And, uh, I'm, I'm extra motivated for this year to not let that happen again. I had deer big enough on the grounds that I hunted that I would have harvested. But, you know, uh, as a small business owner, as a, a married man with three little ones at home, uh, you don't get the time that you had when you were a single man that basically can hunt five to seven <laughs> days a week. Yeah. And, uh, and not that I would trade it, but that's just the, the life that I'm in currently. So with all that being said, uh, you know, like Chad said, you don't know everybody's situation. Some guys might get five days a year to hunt and that's yeah, it. Yeah. And they, and they're going to live off of that deer meat. So by gosh, if they see a, a spike or a six pointer or even a beautiful year and a half old, two and a half year old, eight pointer that, uh, some of us might let go walking by 30 times and then it goes in the neighbors and it gets shot. It is what it is. Don't lose any sleep over it. Um, and don't get mad at anybody and don't tell them they did something wrong. Yeah. Uh, you're going to create enemies. Uh, you're going to get a bad reputation and you don't want any of those things. Yeah. So that's our little uh, talk about the antlers. You yeah. know, that's just something that I felt compelled to bring up because I, I have had them issues in the past. And um, going off of that, the other thing that I've had an issue with personally is weapons. Um, I was not a fan of crossbows when they became legal here in Indiana and Michigan for all hunters all season. Um, Chad, you'll, you'll know this cause you've been hunting a lot longer than me. Uh, the crossbows were first brought in to allow people that could no longer pull back legal bow weight. They had a, they had to have a doctor's letter. Yeah. And then even then they were restricted to late season. Yeah, at one point. Yeah. At one point. Well, when the way they started. Yeah. So I remember when they were restricted to late archery, which would have meant it was after the gun season, after your normal firearm season here in Indiana and Michigan, they would be restricted to crossbow use then and only then. Yeah. And that was that way for several years. Yeah. And now I would say, how many years do you think? It's been a little while now yeah. here in Indiana and Michigan at least. Yeah. What do you think? 10 years, maybe more? Uh, somewhere around there. 10, 15? I would say. It's got to be at least 10, I would yeah, say. Yeah, at least 10. Yeah, I'd say it's probably, yeah, I'd say it's at least 10, maybe maybe 15, somewhere in there that here in Indiana, Michigan, it's just been statewide legal October 1st till end date um, that you can use a crossbow or even during your youth seasons for your youth hunters. Yeah. Um, basically, it's legal all year whenever it's archery season. Yeah. There's no restrictions whatsoever. Um, and I had a problem with that. I'm not going to lie. I I kind of felt like it was cheating. Yeah. I did. I right. understood why you would use one if you couldn't use a compound. Right. And I was 100% on board with that. If you can't physically draw a bow back, you know, the requirement here in Indiana and Michigan is 35 pounds. Yeah. So if you couldn't pull back 35 pounds, whether that's because you're a youth uh, maybe you got shoulder problems, back problems, arm problems. Maybe you're you're an, an elder hunter and used to compound hunt, and now you you still want to get in the woods. Yeah, I understood that, but honestly, at the beginning, 
I didn't understand why you got people that are in perfectly good shape physically taking a crossbow out into the woods. Yeah. And I think part of the problem with that was you would hear a lot of them with the gun mentality. Yeah. It's sighted in, I'm good to go. And I think we all know you hunt long enough. I don't care if it is with a gun. If you're not practicing with your weapon um, and you get lazy and then you, you bump your sight inadvertently, you don't even realize it. Um, now your sight's off, you go out there and you wound the game and you don't find it. Yeah. And it's just, I, I wasn't a fan of it. Yeah. And I still don't use crossbows. I, I can't imagine ever using a crossbow until I get to that point where I physically cannot use a compound. Yeah. Um, but what do you think about that? I mean, you obviously know I've expressed to you over the years, and I almost kind of feel like maybe you were kind of in agreement with me when it very first started. Yeah, I, I was because I felt like you had a lot of your gun hunters that felt like a crossbow was like a gun. Mm -hmm. And what they would just go grab, they go buy a crossbow, sight it in, and then go hunt in the field and put it up and then want to hunt it, use it the next year and really didn't make the effort. But those same gun hunters that do that are the ones that did the same thing with a gun. Yeah. Um, you know, so it really didn't change a whole lot other than those guys were in the woods in archery season. Yeah. And I think that was my biggest beef. There was, I just knew there was more people hunting in archery season, which God, for me, God made me say that was stupid. I need to get over it. Stop being selfish. But, yeah. you know, I have a personal, a uh, little bit of personal, it affects me a little more personally than it has with Mike because um, a couple, a few years back, uh, well, actually a couple years ago, I had found out I have a heart condition and, uh, uh, I had, they put me on medication to help control AFib. I have AFib in my heart and that medication made it so that I, and I used to shoot competitive archery. I shot, I shot my bow all the time, loved archery hunt, mm -hmm. shot with recurve traditional, but it, it made it where I couldn't shoot my compound because Every time I would try to look through my sights and stuff, I would, I would get almost pass out. Um, the doctors told me that that happens with that medication. Uh, it made me like I was in a tunnel and it would make me dizzy. And so it was either a hunt with a recurve, which I hadn't practiced much in a while. And I didn't feel I was being ethical to the deer, to the game or, uh, go to a crossbow because for some reason I could look through a scope and it didn't bother me, but looking through a peep sight on an art on my, my bow, well, as soon as I get that to my eye, I, within a matter of just a second, I would get dizzy and feel like I was going to pass out. And that's the last thing you want to happen in a tree stand. Yeah. So I bought a crossbow and I hunted a lot with it that year. The doctors did tell me that there was a good chance that my body would get used to the medication and I would get better, which they were right. And I'm thankful because now I archery, I, I bow hunt again and I don't use a crossbow. But I, my wife loves to hunt, and she can't draw a bow. Her shoulders are bad, uh, so she uses a crossbow. And she got her first deer a couple years ago, and she loves it. You know, mm -hmm. and I am thankful that we she can use a crossbow because I hunt with her a lot, and I love seeing her get excited and being able to spend time in the woods with her. And if she couldn't shoot the crossbow, uh, then I wouldn't be limited get, to gun it, season. Yeah, it would just be limited to gun season. Yeah. So it's you know. Uh, it's real easy to get aggravated about all of that. But again, as hunters, we need to just realize there's a lot of different scenarios, a lot of different situations. And if it's legal and they, 
then we should just not be condemning somebody because they use a crossbow or whatever weapon they use, if as long as it's legal weapon. Yeah. Well, and I've noticed uh, myself um, on social media platforms, especially Facebook, uh, maybe Instagram, and obviously at your local archery shop. But um, what 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 we were doing, myself at least, as I can speak for, uh, all all I was doing when I was saying I didn't approve was creating division. And uh, even if you don't approve, even if you don't um, want to hunt that way, don't want to hunt with that style of weapon, just keep it to yourself. Yeah. Um, I feel like division is not going to help anybody. Um, as hunters, you know, we're already under attack by PETA, uh, basically under attack by a lot of government officials. Um, I'm under the belief that they would be just fine with canceling deer hunting and hunting in general. And so if we're not united and got each other's backs and standing as one and one voice all in one same direction, then we're all going to lose this right and this privilege to be able to do what we love. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're all buying tags. We're all getting going about it the right way. And we're all looking forward to the sunrises and the sunsets. What's it matter if you got a crossbow in your hand, a recurve in your hand, a compound in your hand, a 30 odd six in your hand, a muzzle loader, as long as you're abiding by your state guidelines yeah. during the legal seasons, what's it matter? Yeah, absolutely. We're all buying the tags. We're all putting back into the community of the hunting and the DNRs. You know, we're putting our financial, you know, money is going towards all these different categories that support all this you know, public land across the country and, and they help pay the wages for the DNR so that we can have DNRs out there to try and make sure people are doing things the right way. And I think if we uh, just continue to be divided on on all these subjects, we're hurting no one but ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And so that was one thing that we really wanted to bring up. And uh, part of it was I needed to, uh, you know, come face to face with some of that here the last few years. And we're out of power again. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. We, like I said, we've been dealing with some storms here in Michigan, but uh, yeah, I've been dealing with that on my own. Like, you know, Chad. Yeah. And so I've gotten to the point where I don't care about that stuff anymore. And as long as you're in the woods and you're doing it the right way. <laughs> uh, it got really dark on us now. Yeah. It's starting to get dark outside now. So, there we go. All right, we're back. Yeah. So, uh, you know, as long as you're doing it the right way, let's just stay. Mm -hmm. Let's just stay unified here as as hunters, and let's try and get each other's back and just uh, you know be supportive of everyone and cheer everyone on. Yeah. Whether whatever you shoot, however you get it, as long as you're doing it the right way, what's it matter? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, who are we to tell you what weapon to use, what what size animal to shoot? Yeah. You know. As long as you're doing about the right way, yeah, I say, I say, let's we'll just let's just all become cheerleaders for each other, and just cheer everybody on. And I feel like it's just going to make uh, make us hunters stronger and and more united. Yeah, don't you think so? Yeah, I do. I mean, I'm going to share. Mike Waddell says the brotherhood, mm -hmm. and as hunters, that's how we need to look at each other, mm -hmm. all of us. 
as brothers because mm -hmm. as long as we stay look at each other as brothers and work together, we'll always have this right. Yeah. But if we constantly bicker and fight amongst each other, we won't. Yeah. And we need to remember that. Well, we certainly don't want to turn this into politics. Okay, yeah, guys. Absolutely. We're all tired of that. So let's just do our best to get along and, uh, you know, all enjoy this thing that we call hunting. I mean, what would we do if we didn't have hunting? Yeah. Hunting defines so much of us. It's such a passion. And, uh, you know, here at Fault Session, we like to say it's an obsession. And that couldn't be any more fitting for the two of us sitting here as uh more for mike than me <laughs> <laughs> well i mean i've got the bug and i and i don't have a problem uh admitting it so uh chad thank you very much for sitting down with me and having this couch chat i appreciate uh taking some time out of your day and getting to sit in your beautiful log cabin house that i take a little bit of uh credit for helping you get here yeah, he did he so, definitely did if it wouldn't have been for him calling us we wouldn't have ended up with yeah this, so I live in the block, so I've seen the for sale sign, gave him a call, and it was meant to be. So the good Lord blessed him for sure. Yeah. And uh, we hope the good Lord blesses you this year as you Absolutely. get into the woods. Compound, crossbow, recurve, we don't care what weapon it is. Just go out there, have fun, do it the right way. And please, guys, be curious of your neighboring hunters and show some good ethicals along with just morals. And yeah. uh, we hope you guys have a good one. Hope you enjoyed this. Yeah. All right, guys, thank you all for listening to this week's Fall Obsession podcast episode. Thank you to Michael for recording um, this couch chat slash podcast episode with Chad. I, again, a very good conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Hope you guys did too. Um, there will not be a podcast video published for this episode. However, um, the video recording will be in our couch chat series. I think this will be episode number five. Um, in that series, and we will put that on the YouTube the same day as we're publishing um, this podcast episode. So if you guys want to watch the video, head on over to the YouTube channel or Carbon TV, and uh, you guys can stream it there. If you are on our YouTube channel, be sure that you guys subscribe. We drop multiple new videos every single week uh, here at Fall Obsession. So be sure that you subscribe and turn your notifications on whatever podcast platform you might be listening on. Be sure you hit that follow and subscribe button. That way you know whenever we drop a new episode every single Monday morning. Social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, go wild. Go check all of those out and like, follow, do all that good stuff. Fallobsession.com is our website. That's the hub. That's where you guys can go to find all of our content we are a hunting and outdoor media production company. We produce all of our own original organic content, um, video series, podcasts, educational articles, and other media series. We do a lot of gear reviews um, and wild game recipes, that kind of stuff. Head on over to the website, check it out. Shop some of our apparel. We got uh, some designs on there and working on some new ones for uh for the coming months so be sure that you guys check all that out and finally ridge rock hunt company is the podcast partner so if you guys haven't already go check them out derek and Lacey over there at ridge rock they book hunts with vetted outfitters across the country and they will get you set up with an experience that you're looking for they'll work with you with your budget um, location time frame hunting licenses all that kind of stuff to guarantee that you have a good experience with that hunt that you've been waiting to go on so ridge rock hunt company Go check them out on social media and their website. All right, guys. Well, thank you all for listening. And we'll be back again next Monday with another Fall Obsession podcast episode.